All right, how Christians grow, how Christians grow. Uh, and uh, we see three stages here. We see that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, babies can only eat milk. They can't eat meat. They can't eat a cheeseburger or a pizza, right? They desire milk. And that's the first thing that we're going to look at, the first stage, number one tonight. Number one, let's look at John chapter 3. Uh, because in order for anyone to grow in Christ, they first must be born in Christ. Amen. Uh, they must be born again. John chapter 3. And this is where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about the new birth. Aren't you glad about the new birth? Amen. That we can be born again. Uh, not reincarnated. Okay, not as the Hindus teach, but that which was dead and trespasses in sin, Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses in sins. And this is what is explained to Nicodemus. And upon Jesus' explanation, Nicodemus did not understand, beginning in verse number 1 of John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So coming to the right source, amen, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus answered, said unto him, verily, verily, meaning truly, truly, I say unto thee, what I'm telling you is the truth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now remember, they wanted to see the kingdom of God in Israel at that time. They wanted a political savior. They wanted to see Rome overthrown. And he's saying here, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. So if you're thinking in a physical sense, this did not make sense to Nicodemus. In verse number four, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's not being sarcastic here. He's just asking an honest question. I don't understand what you're telling me. But he's not speaking of a physical birth. We are all physically born. And that's what Jesus begins to explain. Verse number 5. Jesus answered, answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that's physical birth, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he is saying, uh, spiritually, we must be born again. For all of us, if we're alive today, we've been born of water, the physical birth. But not everyone has had the new birth. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen when you're sprinkled. It doesn't happen when you're baptized. It doesn't happen when your family goes to church. It only happens through a personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we see that verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Then we go on right after that, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Amen. Verse number 17. For God sent not a Son into the world to condemn the world, as Nicodemus thought he was there for, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Verse number 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned what? Already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the new birth. Salvation from sin is the new birth. And this is where every Christian starts. If you have not had the new birth, then you're not a Christian. You know, some people get offended at that. What do you mean? I've been a Christian all my life. The day I, I was born a Christian. Ever heard that? 
I was born a Christian. People can call themselves Christians, but a true biblical Christian is someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because without that, we are the enemy of God. Christian means little Christ or Christ-like one. We see that in the book of Acts. They were first called Christians at Antioch, and it was a term of derision by the Romans, but they embraced it because they were showing a faithful testimony that they were acting and living and witnessing and teaching like Christ. What a testimony for that, amen? Oh, I hope we want that testimony, that people would see Christ in us. But that's the birth of a Christian. We see the new birth, a miracle. You know what people say? You know what? I just don't see, we don't see miracles today. Go win someone to Christ, see a miracle happen right before your eyes. Amen? Someone that was dead in their trespass and sin, rotted by sin and wickedness, made resurrected and made new right before your eyes. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's something to get excited about. Amen? And if you can't get excited about that, your excitement's broken. Amen. We need to get excited about that. Old things are passed away. We look at things and we say, well, you know, this and that and the other. But you know what? We shouldn't say, well, at least I'm saved. That's not the most. Amen. That's not a small thing. That's a big thing. That we're saved. It should bring joy to our heart. And because we're saved, we can sing the songs we sang tonight. Amen. Because of the new birth. Amen. We all wake. All right, amen, good. The excitement's supposed to build here, okay? You know, it's okay, praise the Lord, I'm saved. No, we're saved by Christ's blood. In Christ, we have the new birth. And birth is a beginning. It's the start. I know life begins at conception, but spiritually speaking, birth begins, life, the spiritual life begins at the new birth when one calls upon Christ for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It isn't, we don't get a FedEx package a week later of the Holy Spirit. We receive all of that right then, instantaneous transaction sealed onto the day of redemption. Amen. And there is the beginning of a new life in Christ. And that's exactly where the devil wants to attack right there. To attack that new life and try and get it to be stamped out. Birth is the start of growth. You know, when a baby is born and the baby is weighed, what do they do the next day and the day after that? Or a week later, they make sure the baby is what? Gaining weight, growing. And if the baby isn't, the baby's something, there's something wrong with the baby. There is either a nutritional problem, they're not getting enough food, or there's an illness there. And there's a problem there. It is God's design for babies to grow. Amen. We rejoice in babies. We have a lot of babies around here. We have infants and we have baby. We have a nursery and it's great. But nursery workers, aren't you glad that babies don't stay babies forever? There eventually, there's a time when they're out of the nursery, right? You know, uh, I don't think as parents we want to have babies forever. For, you know, for the next 20 years, going up, getting up three times a night, changing a diaper, getting a bottle. We're glad when those days are over, aren't we? They're necessary, and we're glad to do it, but we expect those days to come to an end. Can I just say something? God expects that to end, to give us our spiritual bottle and change our spiritual diaper, so to speak, okay? God does not intend that to go on for 20 to 30 years. If there isn't growth, then there's a problem. Amen. So I'm not saying, if you're newly saved and you're a babe in Christ, praise God, we're excited for you, but God wants you to grow. 
So we see the birth of a Christian. So number two, we see the infant Christian. Can I just say something? It's okay to be a Christian and to be an infant in Christ if you're newly saved. Or maybe you're saved, but you never were taught any Bible, never discipled, and now you're beginning to grow. Praise God for that. Uh, You know, we see infants in our church right now. You know, we see the babies in the nursery. They're cute, right? The stage is there in. And some of you parents are like, I'm so glad you think they're cute. They're not cute at home, you know. <laughs> but they're cute, right? And the stage they're in is, is a necessary stage. And they're cute, however, it's not the plan of God for them to stay a baby. Neither is it in God's plan for you to be in spiritual infancy forever. God wants you to grow. But let's look at our passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you are a babe in Christ, what are some hallmarks of that? We see, let's look at our passage. We see in verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Hey, someone that's truly saved, they're going to want to grow. They're going to want the word of God. Someone that trusts Christ and says, I want nothing to do with church, the Bible, or anything, that's a red flag. Amen? That's a red flag. Because when we get saved, we want to grow. We want to learn more about the one who saved us. Amen. Isn't that exciting? You know, and there are those that have been saved out of lack of knowledge of God. You've taught them about salvation. You've taught them about Christ. They didn't know anything at all. Like Brother Caleb just talked about that some kids. They didn't know anything about God. And guess what? They're excited. They come to Sunday school ready to learn. They desire the sincere milk of the word. Amen. And then we see church kids. You know, they can be a problem sometimes. They grow up in church. They get saved. You don't see much of that desire. Why? Because it's just, you know, what we do. You know what? If you're really saved, and you're a babe in Christ, you're going to desire to grow. Amen. You're going to want to. You have that desire, and it's a sincere desire. And all that you want, you want to devour the Bible so that you can grow. Guess what? When a baby wants a bottle, you know when that baby wants a bottle. Amen. You know, they, they let it be known. You know, it doesn't matter if it's one o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. doesn't matter day or night. They're hungry. They want it now. Isn't it exciting to see Christians like that? That they desire it now. They can't wait. I'm so excited to be here on Sunday. I'm excited to be here Sunday night. You don't even have to get on them, you know, and say, well, you need to be here. Why? Well, here's the thing. Why do we come to church Sunday night, Wednesday night? Just because it's what we do. No, so we can grow and learn. Amen. So we can grow in Christ because we're going to get to the next part here in Hebrews chapter 5 here in just a minute. But we're here and have that milk of the word. A desire to know the word of God, to know what God says, to see it as God's message for them. Isn't it great to teach the babes in Christ how to study the Word of God, how to have their devotions, how to be faithful to the book. It's amazing to see that. And some things to remember about babies. You know what? We said we want to have newborn babes in Christ. We want to have some spiritual babies around here. Not forever, amen. But we want to see people saved. You're going to have some spiritual babies. Here are some things to remember about babies. They are totally dependent. Babies, they cannot feed themselves yet. Look at John chapter 10, verse 11. They are lambs, and John chapter 10, verse 11 gives a very clear instruction who Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Uh, they don't, they're dependent on that. You know what? It's, it's understandable uh, that an infant in Christ, you got to spoon feed him a little bit. you got to give him the, the milk of the word because there are some things that they don't understand yet. And, you know, sometimes we can lower the boom on them. You know, put the whole weight of 20 years of Christian growth and they expect to get it in six months. 
No, they need to grow. Amen. And they are totally dependent. They're going to need some help. That's where discipleship comes in. Amen. They're going to need someone to help them. Like parents must take care of their children. We must be willing to disciple and invest and teach them and show them the word of God because they can't feed themselves yet. Also, they're dependent, be dependent on the Holy Spirit and God himself. And they're going to learn to do that step by step. And guess what? Do kids learn how to walk at the first try? You know what? Uh, you know, you let them get out here to walk and everything. And you teach them, they're teaching them to let go and different things. And very rarely, it does happen, but very rarely do they take off running without falling or bumping a face or bumping an elbow or, or bumping something and sitting there crying and they're afraid to stand up again because they think it's going to hurt every time they walk, right? And what's going to happen? They stand up and fall, stand up and fall. I mean, if we sat there and we counted how many times, I'm sure somebody's done a study somewhere, you know, you can Google it when you get home, that how many falls does it take for an average child to walk, right? I'm sure somebody did a study on that. Why it matters, I don't know, but they do studies about lots of things. Anyway, but going through that, uh, I don't think, we're, I think we're safe to say maybe hundreds of times, that they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. I'm not saying, oh, I have, a, I have a, I have a pastor said I have an out to stumble and fall a couple hundred times. No, but when they do, do we say, you know, do we look at that baby and they say, how dare you fall right there? How dare you? You should be able to get this right now. You know, you should just get up and you should just do it. And you t- tell that to an infant, they're going to go, goo goo ga ga, look at you. They understand what you're saying. Right? All they know is that mom's upset with me or dad's upset with me and I don't know why. I'm just trying my best. Amen. We need to have some grace with newborn babes. Amen. They're going to fall a little bit and don't get frustrated with them. Be patient just as you would with your child. Here's another thing about babies. They don't understand everything. You know, you can have a conversation with your baby. You know what? Essentially, we have conversations with our children, don't we? We talk to them, you know, and we have this big, long conversation, and they don't understand half of what we just said because we're using words they never heard before, you know. And then you have this conversation, and they say, do you understand, Daddy? Nod your head, and they're like, they didn't understand. They're just on their head because you are, right? Uh, they don't understand everything. That's okay. They're not going to understand everything about the Bible. They're not going to understand how to dress right. They're not going to understand what kind of music to listen to. They're not going to do all the things right like you've learned to do. Someone taught you, didn't they? Amen. And sometimes we don't have a lot of grace. Well, they should know better. They don't know. They've never been taught the Word of God. They need some help. And that's why we come to church, and that's why there's discipleship, and that's why we have the milk of the Word. It helps them grow and know what to do. And also, here's the third thing. They don't always respond the right way. Amen? They don't always respond the right way. Uh, Do our children respond right to correction every single time? You know, do our children have attitudes? I mean, do we have the perfect children that never have attitudes about anything? Okay, right? No, well, we all have that. Guess what? The babies don't respond the right way. They don't understand everything all the time. And we need to make sure that they, if they don't understand, that we try and explain it to them. Well, they should just get it. They don't. They don't. Just like children don't get it, we need to be patient. <clears throat> but what do we do with babies? We're patient with them. We're patient. We teach them. Amen. We correct them. We pray for them. 
And we're to be understanding that's what we're supposed to be. This, what I'm describing here, is discipleship. And those who are more mature, who are no longer babes in Christ, are to teach new Christians. Verse number 3 of First Peter 2 says here, If so be, have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The Lord's gracious to those newborn babes in Christ. And we leave it there as it is not wonderful. But here, let's look at Hebrews chapter 5 as we move on. God's plan, as we see here, it is not God's plan for us to remain spiritual infants. And if we have been saved 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and we are still a spiritual infant, that the only spiritual gleaning you get is when you come to church... The only time you crack your Bible is when you come to church. Even then, half the time you don't. You just depend on the, what I'm reading and other, or the responsive reading. You don't have that desire. Can I just say something? You are still a spiritual infant. And that's exactly what Paul was rebuking them here in Hebrews chapter 5. Though we don't know specifically that Paul wrote Hebrews, I believe that he did because of some very specific things, how he says things. Also, remember, he is a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Of all people, God would have him write. Who would he have write to the Hebrews? Paul. Also, if you look at the closing of the end of Hebrews, it's the same of all the books that uh, Paul wrote. He's closed the same way. So, by the way, if you look at your Bibles, a lot of Bibles, what does it say? Uh, Hebrews, an epistle of who? St. Paul. So, by the way, the who wrote Peter or Paul or another one wasn't up for debate until about 30 years ago. Started being this big debate. It was always settled that it was Paul. By the way, it doesn't really matter, does it? God wrote the book. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we don't need to have a big debate about it. But some preachers do. I mean, oh man, we got to get into this or that. And some believe it's Peter or Paul or Luke. God wrote it all. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. So, of whom... So first... Uh, so number three, the mature Christian, Hebrews chapter five, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. So what is Paul saying here? Or whoever wrote it, what's God saying here? Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Is that I have some things to teach you that you need to learn, but I don't know how to go about it because you haven't listened to the other things I told you. You haven't listened to the bay. I want to teach you some advanced things here. I want to give you some meat, but you're not even listening to the milk. As if you still want that, you still desire that. Verse number 12, for when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. Maturity. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, maturity, even those who by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Because if you're a babe in Christ, you don't only see Right and wrong, right? Don't we have to teach our kids that? They're doing something. I don't see a problem with it. Oh, wait a minute. Those of us who are mature, maybe have some experience, we say, hey, that's not a good idea. That's going to send you down a wrong road, but the kids don't know. Right? Children don't know. And that's what's going on here. He said, you ought to be mature. 
You ought, with all the teaching you've had and all the information you have and the amount of time you've had, you need to be teaching other people. By the way, is there a set time in the Word of God that you go from being a spiritual babe to mature? No. There are some people who do it in the matter of months and years. Not fully mature, but they're teaching other people almost right away because they have progressed in their uh, maturity. But this passage is an, an admonishment to those who are to be mature. This was a rebuke. They were old enough to be mature and understand the meteor things of the word of God and of doctrine. However, they were still dependent on the milk. They still needed to be fed. They weren't feeding themselves and the meat they were getting at church because there's a balance here, a balanced diet. There's things that I preach that, especially Sunday mornings, that are more on the milk level. But then here tonight and on Wednesday night, I pull out some meatier things so those of us who are more mature Christians can continue to be fed and grow. But you don't just get your meat from the preaching. You also get it from your own personal time with God. Because if you're a mature Christian, you ought to be able to know how to go into the Word of God and get something to eat. Amen. So here we go. Some symptoms of a milk-dependent Christian. We see here, uh, first, is a lack of teachability. Dull of hearing. Said, What does that mean? They weren't hard of hearing. Dull of hearing is they're hearing it, but they don't want to do what they hear. Ever had a dog like that? You know the dog can hear you. Yeah, went out. yeah, I got one of those too. Uh, it, you know, if you got a treat or something or it lines up with what they want to do, oh, they'll come right to you and sit. But as soon as they see something else outside the gate or something else over here or a squirrel or a bird, forget it. They're not listening to you anymore. They can hear you, but they're dull of hearing. That's the idea here. What was going on? Paul's saying, I'm teaching you. I want to teach you some things. I want to give you some meat. But I can't because if I give it to you, you're not going to get it because you can't even do the first things, the first principles of the oracles of God, the simple things, getting back to basics. You're not even doing that. And you are spiritual infants as a result. Why? Because you've had a lack of teachability. You're dull of hearing. If you're a spiritual infant, you're not going to want to learn. You're going to be here, but you don't want to learn what you're hearing. He's like, well, that's great for other people, but I don't need that. We do need it. If you're here, you need it. Amen. Love the preacher I heard recently. Uh, he was just, uh, he said, I just want to put some ground rules down before I preach. Is that I'm preaching and the sermon is for you. All right. As I'm preaching, it's, if you're here, it's for you. Okay. So yes, I am preaching at you and for you. Okay. If you are here today, I was like, man, I just like that because that's really, you know, sometimes, you know, preachers get up and preach. Oh, he preached on the very thing, that one thing. He offended me. He must be preaching at me. No, the Holy Spirit is telling you something. Amen? Why do we come to church to hear something that's not going to apply to us? Some people do. Some spiritual infants come. They're, they, they, we're going to hear something wonderful and encouraging. And anything that has to do with sin, it's not going to be mine. Man, but I'm sorry, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. He's going to point the finger of conviction and say, hey, this is for you. There's a lack of teachability. Also, one of the uh, symptoms of a milk-dependent Christian is a lack of faith. They have trouble trusting God. They have trouble trusting that the Bible is really true. They have trouble trusting that what the Bible teaches them to do is really the answer for them. Is it really the answer? Yes, it is. Is it really the answer for today? Yes, it is. Is Will this solve the ills of the world that people believe it and trust Christ? Yes. But we know, of course, that's not going to happen. 
Uh, we know that people are going to get saved, but we know how the book ends. Amen. So that's what's going to happen. But there's still people that are going to be saved along the way. And that's our job. Amen. Also, this is a symptom of a, a milk-dependent Christian. They feel like they're not being spiritually fed at church. Now, I'm going to go find another church because I'm just not getting fed at church. Now, sometimes that uh, there's a church that isn't that just just teaching milk. They're not getting anything into any meat. And uh, growth is stagnant and growth is stunted. And you know what? If you're in a church like that, you do need to go find a church that you're going to grow in. Amen. Because God's church is supposed to have some milk for the younger ones and it has meat for the more mature Christian. That's how a church is supposed to be. But if the milk, but this is what happens, is that they are milk dependent and say, I'm just not getting fed. Because you know why? Because one service a week is, has some milk in it, the other ones have meat, and they can't tolerate the meat. They say, well, I'm just not getting fed. Well, that's your fault. That's not the preacher's fault. That's not God's fault. That's your fault if you don't, are not being fed. First of all, what we get fed at church is just the first course. Amen. We ought to have a daily feasting on the word of God. Daily in prayer. Daily. That this is just to start off your meal. This isn't the whole meal. And people have this idea stuck because this is Christian culture in America. Come to church Sunday morning. I got all the spiritual food for the week. You just had breakfast. What are you going to do the rest of the week? And we wonder why we can't have victory over sin. And we wonder why we have people that don't want to witness for Christ. We wonder why all these things. Why aren't Christians getting it? Because they're milk-dependent infant, spiritual infants and not growing. They have no devotional life. They don't know how to feed themselves, and they don't want to know how to feed themselves. The preacher is supposed to feed them. No understanding of doctrine or very limited understanding of doctrine. No desire to teach oneself the word of God. Let the preacher do that for me. Son, that's what Sunday school's for. Also, many on those, they'll have a lack of faithfulness. When the going gets tough, they're not in church. When something else comes up that suits their fancy, they're not in church. They're not reading their Bible. And also, unfortunately, they have a very self-centered Christianity. Christian, what can God do for me? What is the church going to do for me? What is the teen group going to do for me and my kids? What's it going to do? It's about me. You know, John F. Kennedy said very famously, it's not what our, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And that statement is very, very true. As not what can God do for me, but what can I do for God? Amen. He saved me. Praise God. The new birth. But when we get into the self-centered Christianity, God, do this for me. We have missed the point. Amen. We have missed the point, and we are a milk-dependent Christian. Meat is for those who wish to be mature. You know, we must have a balanced diet, first of doctrine. We need to know the doctrines of the Word of God. You better know why Jesus was virgin born and why that's important. We ought to know the doctrine of sin and where sin came from and why we need to be saved. We better know the doctrine of salvation. I understand we don't need, uh, you know, sometimes, well, I must have, the, have to have a college education to understand salvation. I'm sorry, salvation's real simple. We're sinners. Jesus died for us because he loved us and we're saved. Amen. But we must understand where sin is. We need to understand this, what we don't like here. We we must understand, have some doctrine about spiritual things, including some spiritual warfare. We need to understand who the devil is and how he works. Oh, I don't want to think about that. 
I, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to think about the big bad devil out to get me. He's out to get you, but he's not the big bad devil because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Interesting thought I was studying in the book I'm going through, The Christian Complete Hour. Highly recommend it, by the way. will be very helpful to you. Three volumes. It's a, it's a large work, uh, but was uh, written in 1640. You know what? They just knew how to say things back then. Amen. And, and he just, they didn't, truth is truth, no political correctness, okay? So go, going through it, it's interesting, the observation of the curse on the serpent was that he was on his belly. That's where he would stay, is on his belly. That would be the curse. And this was the thought here. A Christian, the, Satan can make you limp, but he can't destroy your eternal life. Remember that. You think the devil, the devil can destroy. He can't destroy your spirit. He can make you limp. But we know in the end, Jesus crushed his head. And in the end, he'll crush his head. Amen? So let's stop thinking about the devil. He's bigger than he needs to be. I understand we need to be watchful, be wary. A snake is dangerous if you don't watch it. Right? Caleb was going out front, and he almost stepped on a baby rattlesnake sitting out front. And guess what? He has a miracle. He saw it because it blended right with the dirt. You can't see those things. So watch where you step when you're out hiking this time of year especially. And it didn't try and bite at him. He stopped a good like three feet away from it. But he said, Dad, there's a baby rattlesnake out there. Uh, and, said, and said, Preacher, well, we don't see many snakes at church. I found out why. Mowing this week, we have a king snake like this long out back. I said, praise the Lord. That's where all the rattlesnakes are going. So if you see a black and uh, black like a black snake out here, leave him alone. He's eating all those rattlesnakes. <laughs> so there are some good snakes, you know. My wife's the only good snake. a dead one, right? But meat is for those who wish to be, be mature. must have a balanced side of doctrine. But it can't just be doctrine. There are some do- churches that preach only doctrine, and guess what? That is a doornail. But also you need a balanced side of practical living, of knowing how to live out your Christian faith. The Bible is practical. It's meant to be lived, not just known. How to treat people. We looked at that this morning. A practical message this morning. How to treat your neighbor. That's practical Christian living. You need a good diet of that. And not only that, but also of encouragement. Get in the Psalms when you're discouraged. By the way, you can't just live off the Psalms. Amen. You can't. I know we like to read the Psalms and Proverbs. That's great. But you need to have more than just that in your devotional life. It's good to read the Psalms, good to be encouraged, especially when we're discouraged, but we also need to know the doctrines of the Word of God. We need to know the Bible, all of it, inside out and backwards. That's why it's important to have a yearly Bible reading plan. That's a great thing to have. Or to study a specific book of the Bible or a specific topic. Get into the Word. Have a balanced diet. For if we emphasize one over the other, we can become now nourished in another area. Guess what? Milk-dependent Christians, if a baby, a toddler, is just wanting milk and they don't want to eat solid food, they can become ill. They can become anemic. Uh, they can have all kinds of health problems. Why? Because they need the protein and the iron from meat and vegetables and other things. Uh, they have too much of the calcium and different. a lot of health ba- imbalances can occur. And that can occur in a Christian. We need to have a balanced diet so that we can be strong. But here's the one area here that is important. Verse number 12, for, when the, for the time you ought to be teachers. Hold on a second. What's God's plan? God's plan, number one, is for you to be born again, the new birth. Then, as you're a spiritual infant, number two, he wants you to grow. 
to desire that sincere milk of the word to absorb it and grow to one day you can be mature and be a mature Christian. And when you come to the mature Christian place, you're to teach other people, disciple other people. And that's why we just had our teachers meeting for Sunday school. That's why you're a Sunday school teacher, because you have been deemed by your testimony and a mature Christian. That you're able to teach. By the way, this is, there's no say, well, only Sunday school teachers are the ones that need to teach. Only pastors are the ones to teach, though we are. It says, everyone. We ought to be wanting to teach other people how to be saved, teach other people how to live the Christian life, to disciple For if we emphasize just being mature, but then we're not teaching, what good is the knowledge we've learned if we don't pass it on to somebody else? Amen. You know, that's what's going on in Christianity in our churches is we have a lot of mature Christians that know a lot, but they're not passing it on to anybody. And when they die in the grave, they didn't win people to Christ. They didn't teach anybody any of it. They had deep spiritual understanding, but they never taught anybody. Sometimes, here's the crazy thing, not even their own kids. Or their own families. They spent so much time. They were studying the word of God. They absorbed it. They lived it. But they never taught it to their children. You say, well, I just never got around to doing that. That's why family devotions are so important. Amen. Spending time with God. Spending, teaching your children how to spend time with God. If you know how to study the word of God and how to get along with God, teach your children how to do that. Amen. Mature Christians teach. And let's ask a question. Are you teaching others tonight? Are you reaching others? Are you encouraging? Are you admonishing? Or say, I just don't want to be that. That's not for me. If you're a newborn babe in Christ, praise the Lord. Keep growing. Keep learning. You're hungry. Keep going. Don't desire, don't let that desire go out. Amen. Sometimes we need to get back to that day. Have you been saved for many years and are still a babe in Christ? Something needs to change tonight. You need to start growing by eating some meat, but the only way you're going to be able to drink meat is if you're living out the milk that God's already taught you. The first principles, the first things. Getting back to your first love. Getting back to having that sincere desire and to live out those things that you've left behind. That milk that you've been taught. The only way we can get to eating some meat is if we're living the milk first. And sometimes, some Christians, they hear messages like this. That's why I want to get into some meat. And they try. And then it gives them spiritual indigestion. You ever try to give a baby food before some time? Bad things happen. Right? They get fussy, they get ill, they have all kinds of problems like, because they're not ready for it yet. And that's sometimes some Christians, they get in church and they, they hear a message and they get offended and it doesn't, they have spiritual indigestion. Why? Because they're not, they're milk dependent. They need to get into the book. They need to get into the word of God. They need to live that out and then they'll be able to take those things. You know, we talk to people and, and, uh, and so, some people say, well, preacher, you know, why don't we just, you know, just need to tell that person, what their issue is. You just need to tell them. You know, get their act together and things like that. Can I say something? Many times those people are milk-dependent Christians and you're expecting some meat results, meat growth out of them, and you're not going to see it. And when you go and try and give them some meat, they're going to get offended. And they're gonna, you're going to do a damage to them. Instead, they need to have make a decision. He says here, seeing you are dull of hearing, you need to pray and ask God that God would show them how they need to start listening. Amen. And teach them those things again. That's what says he said here. We're not to be teachers. He says, I, I have to teach you again. 
which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He goes, I shouldn't have to, but I'm going to. I shouldn't have to be doing this, but I'm going to teach you again because it's not about me and what I want. I want to see you grow, so I'm going to teach it to you again. Amen. You know, why, why is preacher talking about that all the time? Why is preacher talking about this all the time? Because we want to see you grow. Amen. Sometimes we, before we grow, we have to hear it a few times. We don't always get it the first time around. Amen. Maybe you're one of those great and amazing smart people that you get it the first time around every time. But not everyone's like that. I know I'm not. We don't get all the spiritual truths the first time around. But let's be desirous that we want to get the spiritual truth. We want to learn it. We want to grow. You know what? If you're a mature Christian, who are you investing in? If you're not investing in someone right now, find somebody. Find somebody. See a soul get saved. See someone come to Christ. See them grow. This is how a Christian grows. Are you growing tonight?